Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 61, originally published on December 3rd, 2020. And I am Stephanie. So welcome and thank you for joining me and listening. Today is going to be a great episode. Um, my guest, Sandra Johnson, and I had the best conversation when I was editing it, I just got so filled with joy and laughter and just, um, oh my gosh. So I, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Uh, so anyway, but before that, oh, welcome to December uh, and winter in the Northern Hemisphere. So um, anyway, hold on. you guys. <laughs> I have to tell you guys, this is like the third time I am recording <laughs> the beginning of this segment uh, because I was just talking, talking, talking. And then when I paused, I looked at the screen and I was like, oh, where is the recording? What is going on? So all of the settings here <laughs> in my file had been like turned off. And so that's why it wasn't recording. So then I thought I fixed it. And I fixed the one thing I noticed. And then I recorded again. And again, no recording. I feel like little minions came in and like messed with my file. And then they're like sitting out there laughing at me. But anyway, it is recording now. I have enlarged the, the bar so that I can clearly see that it's recording. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I just I just had to take a time out on that because <laughs> it's just crazy. Okay, sorry. All right, so December. Oh, winter is definitely here. Yesterday when I left work, so I'm recording this on Tuesday, December 1st. So the cold, frigid weather got here yesterday morning, Monday. And maybe it was here Sunday, but I wasn't, I wasn't outdoors at all. So when I got out of work yesterday, it was 29 degrees Fahrenheit, freezing. Oh, it was the first day I had to wear like a big heavy wool scarf and gloves and, you know, winter coat. Uh, and I was still freezing. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about it and I'm like, in about a month or two, I am going to think so differently about a 29 degree day because in January, February, a 29 degree day is going to feel like a heat wave to us because we'll definitely be down in much more frigid temperatures like zero and below. Um, so it's just, just kind of funny to, that, you know, how you have to acclimate to the changes in temperatures. Uh, but, uh, we're just not used to it yet. And the rest of this week is going to get nice again. As far as for our area, we're going to be, um, in the mid forties. It's going to be sunny and beautiful. So yeah, it just keeps winter keeps on kind of like teasing here and there and whipping us with super cold temps and then going back up. So it's coming. I know it is. But the other thing I look forward to in December is winter solstice. And if you have listened to my show for any length of time, you know that I say this every year uh, because 
Uh, the darkness, I just don't like it. I do not like it getting dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. So on the 21st, winter solstice and the first day of winter, I know that from that day forward until summer solstice, every day is going to get a little bit longer, a little bit more daylight. So uh, I don't know. It's just like a mental thing that I look forward to because then I don't focus on the darkness so much after that day. <laughs> um, I don't know. Are you guys like that? Uh, I definitely am. All right. So how did you do on Black Friday and Cyber Monday? I know some people have said that they're not even going to do Black Friday. Like that's, that's, they're not going to do it at all. Um, and I understand that. That's, that's great because it gets, it gets so crazy. But, um, in fact, I, over the last several years, never do Black Friday like out in the stores. I always do it from the comfort of my home on the computer. So um, I, I, I don't like to deal with that frenzy either. Some people enjoy it. They enjoy getting out there in the big crowds and um, the craziness just kind of like, you know, inspires them and gets them into the holiday spirit. But uh, yeah, no, it doesn't do that for me at all. <laughs> um, so I did pretty good. I the way that I approach Black Friday and Cyber Monday is that I have to plan for it because uh for me if I don't it's too overwhelming. There's just too many things coming at you of Black Friday here 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 this discount that discount and all these emails coming in and um it's just like overstimulation. So I have a plan and I stick to it. And when I get it done, I'm done. I'm just like, yes. So I'm kind of like an in and out, know what I need, know what I need to get, um, have researched ahead of time, knowing what is going to be coming up. Or once something does come up and pops up in my email box that I have had on my list, I was, I'm like zeroing in on that. So, um, yeah, I'm all done. I'm done, 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 except for the stuff that I still have to, to make as gifts that I'm giving away. Uh, and yesterday, Cyber Monday, um, I worked. So I really, you know, couldn't do anything except I did make a business purchase on a software subscription that was half price. So I'm pretty happy with that. So I hope you guys did well as well. Um, so over the week on holiday, I did a fair amount of sewing. I, I really had an enjoyable weekend and I did, um, whatever projects I could do that were not, um, uh, negatively affecting my arms that um, I'm trying to heal with the tendonitis in the one and the muscle strain in the other. So I did pretty well on that. And I'm starting to feel a little bit of improvement um, in the arms, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing when you actually like follow the rules of um, icing uh, to get the swelling down and resting to heal. Uh, it actually works. So... <laughs> Don't ignore your injuries and push through it like I did, um, because it just ends up getting worse. 
So uh, I did several projects and one of them was machine embroidery and I made some embroidered holiday cards. I've never done that before. Um, a few months ago in early fall, Embroidery Library had a sale on um, these uh, designs specifically made for um, card making. And um, I think it's because they, um, you know, the, the n- amount of um, st- uh, stitches and fullness is reduced because it's going to be stitched on the cardstock. Uh, so they're beautiful. They turned out really nice. And um, it was it was not that hard to do at all. Uh, the only thing that I did kind of, um, you know, kind of work through is the how I how I secured it in the hoop. So you cut the cardstock um, just a little bit larger than the size that you need for the design. And then you end up adhering that to um, your actual card um, afterwards. And then that hides the stitching on the backside and uh, makes a lovely uh, card design. So but um, the sticky stabilizer is great. I love it, but it is really expensive. So, and I was just seeing way too much waste, uh, because there's a little trick. Um, if you do machine embroidery, you probably know this, but when you use sticky, uh, stabilizer and you stitch a design and you, it tear, you tear it out. If there's, you know, kind of like a, a there's going to be like a little hole in that stabilizer. And if there's enough of it left, you can, <laughs> you can reuse it and stick a smaller piece onto the backside of it, uh, to extend the life where you're, you're not cutting and hooping another huge piece of stabilizer. You're just cutting enough that you need to patch that hole and stabilize your next stitching design. So, but you can't do that with the cardstock. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 um, quickly realized that I need to like change, change the setup. And I ended up putting two layers of tearaway, regular tearaway stabilizer in the hoop. And then I just washi taped the cardstock top and bottom to the tearaway. And that worked perfectly. It and and it just is so much better because the regular tearaway is like, you know, half the price of the sticky one. <laughs> so there's a little tip for you, but it's fun. It's really fun. It does take a longer, so it's not like uh, you're gonna make a whole bunch of these um, and send them out. I don't think uh, because one of the designs took about 45 minutes total. And that's like from hooping it all the way to un, unhooping it and uh, tearing away the stabilizer. So the other thing is that uh, these, these have to go to like, you know, special people that really appreciate handmade things. Cause it's really, you know, this card is really like a handmade gift. It's, I know it's machine embroidered, but it's still, it's still a handmade, um, thing. And you're, there's still a technique involved and a skill. Uh, and, I mean, uh, you can't get a, a, an embroidered card at, you know, Walgreens or Target. So it's a special, it's a special gift. So, um, but definitely for me, <laughs> I know who, 
who I can um, send those to versus who really would not even like give a flip over an embroidered cart. <laughs> so that was that was fun. My first experience in doing that. And of course, it doesn't involve a lot of um, stress onto my arms. So it was a perfect activity to do. Uh, I did also make some um, of the um, pillowcases that I'm making for my nieces and nephews. And uh, I decided I've, I've been into like micro welt recently because I had to um, uh, do that for a commission tabletopper project. So um, I remember talking about this last episode of how I do not like that large flange that's in the burrito um, pillowcase uh, method pattern. So I decided to try micro welt um, in place of the flange and it works beautifully because the micro welt is, is it's like a piping. It, there's many words to describe it. It could be called piping, welting, um, and the micro is just because it's really a very small diameter. It's my, the one I have is five sixty fourths, which is between an eighth and a quarter of an inch diameter. And it's a perfect size to inset as a, a little trim to add um, some detail to to things like this pillowcase. And it worked beautifully because that little core, the thing of it is I love about micro welt is that it's small enough that it's very flexible, even though it's still a cord and it has structure. The bigger the cords you get, then it's not as flexible and you have limited use of where you're going to use that at. Um so, uh, it turned out really well. I'm really happy about it. And it doesn't take any time at all, uh, to make the micro well. I mean, it, it adds a bit, a little bit of time to your overall process, but it's not hard and it's fun. And to see, uh, what it results in is really cool. So I did that. Um, I made another, um, set, uh, I finished a set of bowl cozies and I made a video of how I make the fabric bowl cozies. So, um, I'll be posting that on my YouTube channel. So I'm in good shape as far as handmade gifts go. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that I am not so sure on is that, uh, quilt that I want to make for my nephew for his birthday. Um, later this month. I'm not giving up on it yet. Um, I'm just um, trying to finalize the design and trying, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, but yet still get the design that I want um, done on there. So I've changed, I've changed it from applique to um, a pixel type of a design because then that's just um, stitching a bunch of squares together. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so uh, that's kind of, I got hanging out there in the balance, but everything else is coming along just fine. In fact, I'm almost done uh, with everything else. All right. So I'm going to finish uh, my chit chat segment out with uh things that I've been watching and uh, recommendations for you guys. So, okay, first of all, I just got to get this out of the way because I haven't talked about this in uh, many episodes is my Chicago Bears football team. Yes, they started off really well with like five wins. And I don't know, I think they might have been like a five and oh, I'm not sure, but it quickly deteriorated. And now it's 
just this team is miserable and humiliating. It's just so hard to watch. In fact, we just couldn't watch past the the first half of uh, Sunday's game. Because first of all, <laughs> it was against our arch rival, the Green Bay Packers. And their performance was just, oh, it was terrible. So, so, so hard to watch. Um, it's the kind of thing where you like, you can't help but watch, but you got your hands over your eyes and you're peeking through your fingers. <laughs> it's that kind of stressful watching. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so aside from that, um, I have been watching more Premier League, um, uh, football or soccer. And, uh, ever since I saw that documentary, uh, on Amazon Prime about the Tottenham Spurs, I've really, um, kind of connected with that team because you kind of like get this inside glimpse of who these players are and the coach and the organization. So I, I can now watch them and kind of like, oh yeah, that guy, blah, blah, blah. And the coach, I, he's, he's a really interesting coach. Um, and they've been doing really well. So, so yeah, I've got the NFL is disappointing me, but Premier League is, is very good. Uh, okay. Enough of sports. Um, Hulu. Okay. So I've been watching, it's an older show. It's a BBC type of a show. It's called DCI Banks and it first originally aired in 2010. So it's really old, but good. And if you like, um, you know, mystery shows and sort of like the detective type shows. This is really, really good. Um, I like the storylines and how they continued through the seasons. There's five seasons total. And um, it took a while for me to get through all of this, but every now and then I would watch a, a couple of episodes. So that's a pretty good show. Um Netflix. There's a lot on Netflix. Netflix has been releasing tons of stuff, lots of Christmas uh, movies and stuff, which I've been watching. And um, some of the ones like I just finished watching, and this was sort of a binge watch last weekend, um, is uh, it's a series called Virgin River and season two just came out. So I'm done with that. It's good. I would describe it as a silly, froofy, romantic, unrealistic show, <laughs> but highly entertaining. And the scenery is absolutely gorgeous where this is filmed. Uh, it's supposed to be taking place in Northern California. And I'm familiar with all of the towns and stuff that they talk about on this show because we vacationed up there. And, uh, in fact, they say Shelter Cove. So that's actually one of the places we stayed at. Uh, so it is absolutely very gorgeous up there. It's in Redwood territory, but this show is filmed in like, uh, British Columbia, Vancouver or whatever. So, um, anyway, but it's still gorgeous. It's such a pretty, um, scenery and, uh, the, the stories are kind of funny and quirky. So that's a good show. Uh, The Crown. That came out a few weeks ago, and my husband and I got through that in about a week. <laughs> it's so good. It is really so good. This season was um, in uh, started in the early 80s and uh, went through. Uh, it was all about Prince Charles and uh, Princess Diana uh, and Camilla. 
So um, that was really good. And I just read that they have been renewed for um, another season. So that will be interesting um, as it progresses. Another show that we watched a while ago, as soon as it released, is The Queen's Gambit. It is about this uh, chess prodigy, and it's not, um, it's a fictional show, um, but it it's set in the 60s, late 60s, I would say, um, about this girl, and it's a good series, but I found it um, very dark and hard to watch because of, there was, there's a subplot along the whole series of substance abuse. And I don't know, it was just depressing. And I don't know if it's just because we're in a pandemic year or what, or if I was watching it in a downtime. But I I don't like watching shows where I just don't feel, I feel worse <laughs> after watching it and I don't feel good about it. And I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, it's kind of like in their previews, so it's, I'm not giving too much away, but, um, the chess part of the series is fascinating. That part, it really is. Um, and the relationship with the Russians, uh, and the American chess players. So I don't know. It's just, that's my, that is my review of that show and I'm sticking to it. Okay. And another one, if you have Amazon Prime, this is a documentary and it's called The Booksellers. And it is about the New York rare book uh, world. And uh, they interview these book dealers. And um, it it's just, I found it so interesting. I know nothing about that world, but it was very interesting to learn how it works. And it's just quite funny. Just, you know, when you're in a specific industry and one is uh, specific as that, Everyone knows everyone. So all of these book dealers knew who everyone else was and they know they keep track of who bought what book. And some of these books are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and then they follow a couple of these smaller bookstores that have been around forever that are just hanging in there and still, still making it. Um, so that is really a good, a good show. It's not a series. It's just like a one-off special on Amazon Prime called The Booksellers. And I'll end up with, uh, The Mandalorian. I've talked about it before, but we're, we're still, um, it's still awesome. <laughs> we look forward to every episode that comes out on Fridays. So, um, Baby Yoda is still the cutest thing ever. Um, and so, yeah, that that's pretty much the highlight of my watching list. All right. So there's a couple of things I want to remind you of before we get into the guest segment. And that is um, remember uh, to check out my Patreon page. It's makeanddecorate.patreon.com. Uh, and the link will be in the show notes. Every month, patrons get a bonus podcast episode. And a lot of my guests um, will stay on and talk with me uh, for the Patreon episode. And they they like to give some um, insider things um, to be special for my patrons. So I really appreciate that from, from the guests. And there will be an episode from Sandra Johnson for the patrons as well. 
Uh, so check out the Patreon. And if you can't do Patreon, just listening is wonderful and, and helps the show. And another way to help is to, um, to put up a, a review on iTunes, if you can, um, the more reviews there, the the more visible the podcast will be for other people who are searching for the same type of show. And as always, you can send me your feedback via email, Instagram, or the comments on the podcast page. The email for the podcast is info at makeanddecorate.com. All right, here we go with the guest segment. All right, so I am really excited to introduce the guest for this episode, and is Sandra from Sandra Johnson Designs. Sandra is um, an artist, a teacher. She uh, quilts and also sews fashion. Um, and I am taking one of her cl- uh, workshops at QuiltCon Together uh, this coming February, um, her um, borrow mending class. So welcome, Sandra. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm glad you reached out to me because I love talking about my favorite subject, <laughs> creating. Yes. Yeah. And um, I am really excited to talk to you because the you specialize in um, a creative um, type of sewing and quilting that um, is, you know, it, it's really become popular, I think, in the last five plus 10 years, I would say five to seven years. And uh, I've really, I I had never heard of borrow stitching before. But um, it had just now it's coming up everywhere there. And there's I've tried to learn borrow mending, I had a book or whatever, but I really am like, I, I'm just like craving the knowledge of this type of hand stitching. And it's so beautiful. And and hand stitching, I know most, a lot of people always like shy away from it or like, oh, you know, I don't have the patience or whatever. But the more I hand stitch, the more I love it. And the more I appreciate the results that come from it. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's um, interesting. So I had to break it down at one time. Um, I'm very much, I love creating, but I love the why, why I create, like what, what is it about the creation? So um, as we know, some creative people are into the gathering. They're the gatherers. So they love finding patterns, making patterns, designing patterns, finding fabric. And they're gatherers. And they gather all this and that's it. They, they stop right there. Then there's people that are gatherers and they start the project. They gather it all. And once they can kind of see the conceptualized part of it, they're like, oh, and that you talk, they tell you all the time, we, I never finish a project. Then there's people that go all the way through, they finish the project but they never quilt it. Like they finished the quilt top, but they never get it quilted or, you know, got, and then there's people that go all the way through and all those are different processes and there are different um, aspects to each process. And what's interesting is my, my it factor and what I enjoy about the process in, in doing this is actually the process, not so much the product at the end. So for me, it's the process of coming to foe what you're going to make in your mind or seeing a pattern or whatever, whatever inspires you, buying the fabric, putting it all together. And so when hand stitching, what's, what's so interesting for me about hand stitching is, is actually the process 
of the hand stitching, meaning threading the needle, holding the needle, because the holding metal, metal has a different feel to it than let's say holding thread or holding um, any type of plastic item. Mm -hmm. So you're holding a metal object. Then the whole idea of the thread, when you pierce the fabric through with the metal object, there is a, almost like when they give you a shot, you know, that initial like yes. thing, mm -hmm. like it's, mm -hmm. there's that, that whole feel that you feel the needle going into the thread, into the fabric. Then you, then you do the pull of the thread going through the weave of the fabrics. And all of this is the very, for me, very th therapeutic and it's very rhythmic. It's almost like music where it has its highs and lows. So it's the whole pull. And that's what I think um, people get um, almost like a rhythmic, uh, lethargic feel to it when you're stitching. Those people will talk about, oh, I hand stitch while I listen to music or I watch TV or, you know, in the afternoon. Because it is very rhythmic and it is very soothing. Um, but it's very tactile. It's very tactile. And um, the thing about hand stitching, which is a little different than um, other creative forms when you're talking about sewing on a sewing machine is the beauty is in the irregularity. Yes. Yes, it is. I love that part. So of it. That's what mm -hmm. I think draws people into hand stitching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's back up a little bit because, um, uh, I want to let the listeners know uh, where you're located in Southern California, right? Yes. Yes. And um, just talk about like, when did you start all of this? Like, have you always been hand stitching since forever? Or is it something you came across, you know, after college or something? Yeah. <laughs> so how I started sewing, actually, I, I was introduced to sewing the technique of sewing in middle school in seventh grade home economics but my grandma my mother's side sewed but it's so funny she sewed but she didn't really teach me to sew and I never really asked to learn how to sew um I do remember her having uh needles and thread and stuff like that and she would give me her pinking shears and like thread and a needle and I'd trail around for a little while but really what took what made me um really interested in the whole idea of creating with seventh grade home economics. I made a dress and um, I was terrible. But what I did love was the feel of the fabric. I loved the, the process again, the sewing machine, the feel of the machine. It was more about the event and less again about the product because my product was terrible and my technique was not, I mean, I didn't have any technique and my home economics teacher um, encouraged me and was like, you can do this. And so I went home and I told my mom, mom, I want to buy fabric. I want to. And she was like, what? And then at the same time um, I was given quilting lessons from my local quilt shop. So I literally learned how to sew garments and quilts at the same exact time, both, on a, on a um, in a class in classes, so I never really had those bad habits because I didn't learn from my mom, who learned from my grandmother. Like I literally learned from teachers from the beginning. Nice, that's interesting that you learned them at the same time. 
Uh, because yeah. a lot of us, um, like for me, for example, I learned, well, sort of like floundering on and like self, <laughs> self learning until I was like so frustrated and I was like, I need to take a glass. Um, because right. I'm tired of like sitting at this machine and crying. <laughs> but it was, a, I was doing apparel sewing that and, and some home deck, but, um, and, and I found quilting, uh, much later. So that's really interesting that you had both. And actually you yeah. have, you have stayed with both because you still do both now. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, um, I mostly did, um, so I made a, like m- maybe one or two little quilts, um, but maybe really jumped into garment sewing. And my first commissioned job ever, I was in high school. Wow. And I made, uh, yeah, uh, uh, one of our neighbors set, found out I sewed and she commissioned me to make some jumpsuits for her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing the high school cheerleading outfits. Oh, wow. Some of their clothing. So yeah, I really, nice. it's, it's, it's amazing to think about that. <laughs> um, and then from there, cause I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what that stuff really looked like. But anyway, <laughs> from there, um, I then went to Arizona state where I have a degree in home economics. Oh, in cool. Texas. That is so yeah. awesome. So yeah, I love that. so that was very interesting how I did that. And then once I graduated from high school, I came back to Southern California and my home economics teacher got me again. And I started teaching quilting classes right out of high, right out of college. So I've been teaching quilting classes ever since I graduated from college. Wow. I, you know, I didn't get to have home ec. So, and I, I'm just so distraught that they had ever, you know, gotten rid of it from the school systems. Cause I feel like it's just such an important yeah. integral part of everyone's lives, whether you stay with it or not to be able to know right. how to sew a button or mend, you know, in alter yeah. and just, you know, those everyday things that people just have no idea how to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very useful. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. It is. Nice. Very good. So um, then I wanted to ask you too, though, because you're in Southern California and is there, does your location and where you're at have any influence on your art and style and, and what you make? So I don't, I don't think so. I think what influences, I think my style has always been my style. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So how I see life and how I, how I create, I have to, in the old days, no, because in in the seventies and eighties and in part of the nineties, the whole thing was get a pattern make it exactly the way the pattern Yes, <laughs> as close as you can to the same fabric that that designer. And that's just what we did. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, but I always tweaked it. Like I was always that one girl that was like, well, that's what the pattern has, but um, mine's going to look a little different. Um, which I always kid and say, I got kicked out of the home economics association <laughs> because I was never that girl that wanted to follow the rule. Mm-hmm. I was always the one that said, well, okay, we have that rule, but why like, do we have to, some of the rules, my thing was if a rule made sense, yes, I'm going to follow it. 
For instance, pressing. I think pressing is very important. If you don't press your garments as you, if you don't press during the process, you can just forget it. Um, I also think cutting. If you don't cut it out right, forget it. If you can't stitch, if you can't sew a straight stitch, forget it. You know, there's certain things that yes, you have to follow. But if one of my blocks is is reversed, or if I choose to use different colors or different color schemes, or arrange the pattern differently so it actually looks different, that's my creative, you know, um, ability and my creative uh, outlook. Yeah, it and really is. So I feel that for my students to be successful and for me to be successful as a as an instructor, my goal is for everyone to take a pattern or a process and use it as a guideline. Because when I create, I create with all of who I am and all my life ex- life experiences. For you to try to create something just like I created, is you're never going to hit the the mark or the target because you're not me with my life experiences. So I feel like I can influence I can influence you by saying, "Oh, you're going to use red and green. Great. Why don't you use a little more red and green?" But I so my going back to what inspires me, what just who I am as a person. I always say that I'm a B plus person because if I, if you're an A person, you spend a lot of time doing it to get it to an A and I want to do a lot of things. So I spend A plus time so I can do more things versus A (laughs) or or B plus versus an A and I do less. Oh my gosh. So I think I'm inspired by, by just who I am and how I exist in the world. This is so fun for me because uh, what you're, you are explaining is you. And then, then uh, giving that example of the A person, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> like I was always, you know, follow the rules, follow, you know, do, do it like you're supposed to and don't afraid to make mistakes. And it's not until, um, you know, getting better at it, getting better at it and knowing um, that I can break the rules and I can just do if I because there, there have been times where I'm like, yes, you know what, I don't I don't get that. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway, just follow the <laughs> directions. But now I'm like, I've become much more towards closer to the B plus than the A plus. And it's so much more liberating and fun. And you really do kind of develop your personality and it shows through your process, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember the first class I, I taught and I just, I, I really pushed them. I didn't, I, this is the first class I've ever had where I never, I didn't show a picture of the, a color picture of the pattern. I showed a line drawing. Here's your line drawing of the pattern. And we went through the whole pattern. And I'm like, well, what, uh, well, uh, what's the border going to look like? I said, we don't know what the board is going to look like because we don't know what the center is going to look like. And I, and I really worked at teaching my students, you know, they're like, well, well, what about the, well, what about, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's worry about what's in front of us, you know? And then as it grows, is almost like when you look at a newborn baby, but well, what is he going to have big feet or little feet? He's going to be five <laughs> foot tall or six foot tall. Uh-huh. 
I don't know. Right. He's a newborn, right? (laughs) Right. And so with creating, I realized that when a student or a person is, is reminded of their liberty to take advantage of what they want to do with a piece, the ownership is much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I love it. So, um, and that's probably why I have gotten more interested in the Boro and Sashiko and all of those like tactile um, sewing arts too, um, because there's that much to me, they're that much more creative and that much more like putting your, you know, stamp of who you are into what you're making. Right. I, I love that. So let's talk about some of that. Um, one of your specialties is that you really have a love for repurposing denim. And I, I love that. Yes. I think it's so cool uh, because I have a huge laundry basket. <laughs> uh, it's, I have it. I moved it into our bedroom to, to, to try to, you know, urge me to like, you know, start de- you know, taking them apart and create, you know, having fabrics from it, but I've got to get, you know, I've been ignoring it, but I love that. That's what you do. And it's really piqued my interest. So talk about that repurposing the denim. Okay. So what, how this all started was I, there was a time in my life where I was like, okay, you can continue to go out and buy things, but I really feel that we have resources. All of us have many of the resources we need to create. We don't need to go and buy more things or acquire more things, buy them, get them free, whatever. And so I was sitting, I looked at these, this pile of denim, like you do, and I'm like, there's got to be something I can do with these jeans. There's got to be. But when I, and, and for me, I also do some research before I start creating. So when I did research and I looked at people that created with denim, what I found was when you looked at their quilts or anything that they created with denim, you saw the fact that they were a pair of pants at one point, and then you saw what they produced. And I wanted it to be the opposite. I hope that, and my target is that you look a, look, look at a piece of, uh, or at a quilt or a product that I create, a purse, or an, a garment, And first, what you see is the beauty of that garment, that quilt, that purse. Then you realize it was made out of repurposed denim. Yes. Yes. And I, I think, yeah. And I think about one of the quilts that you have on your website and it was a wall hanging and it's a quilt and, um, and that's exactly what it did for me. Like it, I noticed the different, um, you know, colors of the denim and how they flowed with your, you know, how you cut them and the quilt design. And it's beautiful. Right. And that's what my goal is, is to use denim as just like it's a fabric line. Some of it's darker, some of it's a heavier weave, some of, so I, I really, and that's how I sort them depending mm-hmm. on what the project is. Nice. Nice. I really like that. Uh, and so, and that's uh, going to be one of your classes that you, uh, workshops that you teach at the QuiltCon as well. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about those coming up in a few minutes, but I, now I want to, um, talk about, uh, you, you, um, also specialize in Sashiko and Boro. So yes. talk about just, um, you know, what you love about it and also what the differences are between the two. 
Okay, so the difference is borrow is a straight, it's like what we call a running stitch or a stabbing stitch up and down, and it's usually straight. Um, the sashiko is an embroidery pattern, Japanese embroidery pattern, traditional patterns. Just like Americans have embroidery patterns, Europeans have, there's a, I have a, a book of ancient or, um, yeah, ancient European uh, embroidery patterns. I can't read it because it's in other languages, but, um, uh, but yeah, so Sashika, what I love about it is that for me, what, how I teach it is here's a pattern, but how can we tweak that pattern and how, and how can we make it your own, but still keep the integrity of the historic pattern? Again, once you learn the rules, then you know what rules you can break, right? So uh, with the Sashiko, it's really interesting to me how we can combine some patterns sometimes and make them very interesting. You can combine meaning different patterns with different patterns, or you can combine a pattern on and stitch it on a piece of artwork that you piece together, sewn piece together, and then it gives it another dimension. So you have one layer of the piece and another layer of the sashiko. So there's so many different ways and combinations. I love running it off of the piece. So I may have a patch. I run the sashiko on top of the patch, and then I run the sashiko off of the patch onto the base fabric. So there's so many things you can do. What I love about teaching those classes is how, how far can we take it out and still keep the integrity of the design? but also make it your own. Um, and those classes are just amazingly fun. They are very soothing. You know, sometimes you'll take a workshop and many times you can feel the tension in the room because everybody's trying to get as much done with the Sashiko classes and the Boral classes. It's like, oh, I'm mending. Okay, I think I'm gonna mend right here. Oh, I think I'm gonna <laughs> stop for a minute. They're very soothing and there's just a, a kumbaya moment in mm. all of those classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, the other thing too that that draws me to to the boro um, mending is that um, it's done and it's meant to be seen. It's not meant to yes. be hidden. And right. Um, so I, I um, my husband's always wanting me to mend his jeans. He's always like tearing the pockets off or ripping holes in them. <laughs> so I tried it, and I didn't know if he was going to like it or not. And I used. A uh, contrast color, you know, embroidery floss thread, so it could really yes. be seen. And I yes. did what you did. I stitched off the patch onto the jean, and yep. he really liked it. He was like, he then he brought me like three other pairs, <laughs> pairs of pants. <laughs> but it really was fun. So that really got me like wanting more and more. So that's why I'm taking your course. And yes. I just love the beauty of it. And it seems like everybody loves it. You know, not, you don't have to love it just because it's your hobby or craft or what you do, but just like to wear something that someone's yes. made with that. They love it. They absolutely. Yes, it doesn't take long. No. It's not like months. Like making right. a quilt, you're like, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> um, I right. don't know if you saw, did you see my post today on Instagram? Uh, No. It's a, it's a little pair of overalls, like a look, like it's probably for like a six month old. What? Uh, no, no, the child was walking because I had a model wear them at one time. No, he was like a year old, but they're little overalls. And I, you put a couple patches and you're like, uh, oh my I God. I see it right now. Overalls. 
So cute. Yeah. So listeners, um, yeah. I'll, I'll put a, I'll put her Instagram, but it's, it's her, her, all, it's all the same. Sandra Johnson designs. So her website, her Instagram, um, Facebook is all the same. Everything. And yeah. this little cute pair of denim overalls, they have little, um, patches of different types of fabric and she has the borrow stitches that really you can see. Oh, it's so cute. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's uh, things like that where yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. Um, I had a girlfriend who had a, a dress that was a linen dress and it was just kind of plain. Mm-hmm. And I said, why don't you put some patches on it? And she's like, oh, it's her favorite dress now. Like uh, she never wore the dress for like five years. Yeah. And she put some patches on there and she's like, oh my gosh, it made the difference. It just took it from, you know, just blah yeah. to like, Uh, This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The overalls I wear that I've posted several times, my overalls, it's the funniest thing. Mm -hmm. People like I'll be, I was in the, the, um, uh, what office, a doctor's office. And it was, uh, what office was it? Oh, um, my knee. I was having problems with my knee. Mm. And so it was a lot of geriatric people were in this office. And I was (laughs) like, oh my God. Um, But every time I would go, uh, orthopedic surgeon, every time I would go, these little old ladies and these men would be like, I love your overalls. I love your overalls. I'm like, these are like, and you know, it's just everywhere. And so mm-hmm. when I first made them and first put patches on them, I was like, okay, people are going to think I'm crazy, but no. And I did it six years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually made those six years ago. Mm-hmm. And now um, it's like the end thing. And I'm like, okay. I'm ahead of the time. Yeah, Woo-hoo! you were. See, because now it's like exploded. It's everywhere. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you is what have you experienced with the growth and popularity in all of this borrow mending and hand stitching? Um, so I'm always, it's interesting you say that. I, I feel like I've always, well, I identified myself in college as an innovator. You know how you go and they talk about the different, groups in this world. Mm -hmm. And I've always been the type of person that would catch on to something way ahead of anybody else. And so I'm always like, Oh God, people are going to think I'm crazy. This is like, why am I doing this? But I always felt like it was the right thing to do. For instance, my garments that I make out of vintage quilts, there's people on the internet and people always send me, Hey, so-and-so is selling this. You should do this. I don't want to, my, my, it factor is teaching. I don't want to produce things to sell them. I mean, that's just not really um, the lane I want to be in. But there's people that sell their quilted garments yeah. for thousands of dollars. Oh yes, I've looked and at some I was of those. Like, mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. I, I went on your Pinterest. You've pinned some of those, and it's like you know, fifteen hundred dollars for this, and it's yes. it's absolutely gorgeous exactly. though. And yeah, yes, oh, yeah. beautiful, it's gorgeous. And I'm like, well, you saw my. Uh, quilted pants that I wore mm-hmm. at QuiltCon two years ago. Yes. That was like literally, it took me about <laughs> a year. So I had the quilt mm-hmm. and those are big blocks. Those are big, yes. bold blocks. Mm-hmm. And so I live in a condo. And so you can look down to the first floor and I took pictures and I was like, okay, is that going to work? How's you know, <laughs> size wise? And where do you want the triangles on your body? You know, everything. And so finally about two years later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I, I'm going to go for it. I, I think this will work. And I made them. And then when I wore, wore them in Nashville at QuiltCon, 
I was the most hashtag person the whole out of all the Proton that went viral. And I'm like, they were there so comfortable. Yeah. People are like, oh, only you could wear them. I'm like, no, it's a matter of placement. Yeah. Like, first of all, they're high wide, high waisted. There's no, the way I made them, they're very slimming. And it's interesting, the batting that they were used, those those quilts are probably, oh, they're probably about 50 years old. Um, the batting is this cotton batting, or maybe, maybe it was wool, but whatever the batting is, you don't get hot. So you don't sweat, but yet it keeps you cool. But when it's hot, it doesn't make you hot warmer. That sounds like so, wool. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. It must have been a mm-hmm. But I mean, literally... Those pants are so, it's like wearing pajamas, like flannel oh, pajamas. I love it. Yeah. Because the cotton is so soft. Right. So yes, right. I really feel like um, with the patching, what, what's the next thing? I'm thinking like, what's, what's next? What are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to start um, with garments. We're going to start uh, generally getting curvier because we've gone to, we've, we've been yes, very skinny and yes. tight. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to start belling out. You notice the sleeves, we started doing belly, you know, yeah. sleeves that are larger. Uh-huh. Um, but generally speaking, uh, the history has shown it. When the economy is good, we use more fabric. Oh. When the economy is bad, the less fabric is used. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I could, I could understand that. So, yeah. oh, cool. Really nice. Yeah, you know, I... It's my mind is always blown by, you know, uber creative people like you. And um, there was a time (laughs) where I would have been sacrilege for me to like, even think about cutting into a quilt and making something else out of it. But now I can't wait. I'm like, I want to, you know, do this. I, I, I just saw someone post today. She had a quilt. It was red and white and it was all tattered around the edges. And she had cut out four or five Christmas stockings from it. Yeah. And repurposing it. And yeah. I loved it. I love it. I love it so much. So I get so excited so, about this now. Think about this. Mm-hmm. When I acquired those quilts, they weren't my quilts. They weren't from my family. The people that made them were passed away. I had a choice to either take those quilts and put them in a pile with all the rest of the quilts that I have made or making them into garments and allowing non-creative, non-quilting people to see them, to maybe be inspired. Sure. Yeah. Educate them. Yeah. So my bomber jacket um, and all my wraparound skirts and my pants, all the garments that I have that I've worn out into the world have been seen by more people than those quilts ever were before. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. And it is so true. Um, And, you know, I feel the same way, just like, uh, kind of like taking a little diversion here. But like, um, and I told my sister this too. uh, But like, I pull out this nice china I have because I love tea, especially in the fall and winter. And and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you got to use this stuff. It can't just sit put away, you know, yes. And you never use yeah. it. And then time goes by and goodbye. <laughs> now it's going to go to the whoever yeah. else is going to store it in their cabinet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good point with that, with those quilts. And uh, so you mentioned this um, this bomber jacket, which is absolutely beautiful. And you have a workshop for that, too. 
Um, but, um, there was also a, a denim jacket that I saw and you had, um, in the, the, what's that called? The yoke, the, the panel on the back with Sasha, yes. with the Sasha Coke, what is it? What is it? Clamshell? Yes. Is it a clamshell? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but it uh, was in really pretty different coordinating colors and it really made it stand right. out. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. So what I did was that was um, it's in the yoke and in the, the yoke and in the back. And so what I did was I used um, green going around the circles and there were different colors of green. Mm -hmm. And then I used pink, which crisscrossed it. I noticed that. Yeah. Yes. So it's the thing is I try to inspire people um, to think outside the box. So if I have, it's, I can tell you to think outside the box or I can think outside the box, which will then generate you to think outside the box. So that was all about um, perspective and colors and what colors will do and how, how do your, how does your eye read those colors? Um, and we all know about variegated thread, but many times we don't think about mixing thread colors right? without having them look, uh, without having them look um kind of like contrived yeah yeah you 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 want a you want it to have a well for me for my aesthetic mm-hmm. and for my look i wanted to have a class uh or, yes yeah like, like a, a, a level of sophistication where it's just not like all yes. over the place <laughs> chaos right <laughs> you know it's kind of like like a I controlled chaos <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to put all your thoughts mm-hmm. and all your, um, your feelings into one piece. So there's a point where you have to stop and say, okay, I've done enough for this piece. I have more ideas in my head. I'm going to use those for another piece. Mm. Yep. Really good. And it, that only comes though, just by doing it, you know? Right. And, and, and learning and, it and, and learning it. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I always tell my students, I said, you know what, when you got here, cause people will say, Oh, the color wheel and Oh, I'm not good with this. And, and yes, you do have to keep that. You should have some, well, I don't even know if you should have even some knowledge of the color wheel. I really believe that, um, color and rhythm as far as color and what matches and what doesn't match. It's you, it's learn. It's a learn from your environment. For instance, we, if you look in the, at nature, nature's colors always match. And because you're looking at nature and your surroundings from birth, you then are putting a key together in your head of what matches and what doesn't match. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like everybody can match. I think that what happens is we then learn as we get older, oh, you don't know how to match. Somebody tells us that somebody, or you see somebody that you think looks better, you know, whatever that situation is. And then you stop relying on your natural God-given talent and abilities. We all wake up every morning, we put clothes on, and we all look fine. Even when I see people that I look and I go, that doesn't match. I try to figure out what the rest, what the, formula is that they use mm-hmm. that they thought that matched because they did 
Yeah. And there is a formula. Mm-hmm. Um, who is it? Um, I'm trying to think of designers that really mix. They mix patterns. They mix colors. And always, and you're like, oh my gosh, that whole line of fabric, I mean, not fabric, that whole line of uh, clothing matches, but they'll take a big print and a smaller print. They'll use usually a black and a white that will tone down their very vibrant colors. Uh, Betsy Johnson? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Her, but you know, something like that, like a Betsy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, how did that, how did they get that? And so that's, I've, I've had the fortune of Missoni does many, that too. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I love um, you know what? Alexandra Henry fabric. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. They do do that. I actually know them. I know it's a brother and sister team and oh, they're cool. actually artists. Yes. So they're artists and then yeah. they take, and they'll, they'll paint it and then they take and transfer it to um, fabric, but they do that a lot. They'll do like bold mm-hmm. and they're, there's a rhythm to it, but it's not the traditional. Yeah. Like, here's a print. Here's a small print. Here's yeah. a bigger print. And I, tr- I generally like stay away from like the brown earth tony colors. I just don't. I, I, right. I, I like much more like cool colors and jewel, jewel tones. But Alexander Henry has made fabrics with a brown um, field <laughs> and has put yes. colors in there. And it works and draws me to it. Whether whereas yes. before I would never have looked at, you know, brown. Fabric. Yeah, I think they use. Um, I think a lot of the, they do um, a blue based brown. If, you know, I mean, their browns are very. That's rich. why I like it then. Yeah, blue base. It's, yeah. it's more of a cool. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a cool brown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I didn't know I liked Alexander. So when I first started, um, I've never been a name dropper. I'm not that type of person. And uh, they commissioned me to do some dresses for them for a market about mm. five years ago. Nice. When they were going to market in Houston. Okay. And they, and so, um, and it's funny because, and I didn't know who Alexander Henry was. I mean, I, and then I started going through my stash of fabrics and I realized about a third of my fabrics were Alexander Henry oh, fabrics. Oh, wow. That is so cool. I did not. Yeah, you know, that was just from like going to the fabric store and like pulling mm-hmm. what you like, yeah. not necessarily what you know a name brand or anything. Yeah, and it was funny because I'm like, oh, like you, there were some pieces in there that I would have never naturally picked, right? Mm-hmm. At all. I mean, mm-hmm. the colors I like the way they did it, but normally if you pull it apart in some other manufacturer, I would have been mm-hmm. like, yeah, I like you. I don't do brown, right? I don't do browns. I don't do black, but mm-hmm. theirs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Their <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Oh, that's so cool that you got that opportunity. That must have been so much fun. Yeah. Oh. Um, Very much. Very much so. Cool. So, well, while we're on the topic of name dropping, <laughs> you have made several appearances on Quilting Art TV. And that's, yes. I love that show. I have been watching that for years. And, um, but I, I have to find out I, for some reason, I think like one of our local stations has, I don't know, I have to find out where it's at again. So I have to find them again. They uh, were bought over, they were sold. The, the company oh. was sold. And that's why. That's yeah, why. Were so, yeah. And so there, I think there's the platform is, I forgot. Um, Cause I don't have the cable. Are the, they online now? Cable. Then? So 
I don't, you know what? Google it. Because oh, she it. told me how they changed. <laughs> and then, because the way changed. they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, they changed. Yeah. It's, supposedly uh, it's better. Oh, but okay. I've heard, because a couple of students, I've had people within the last month Google, uh, text me and say, oh my gosh, I just saw you on Quilting Arts, you know, the episode. So oh. it's playing. I don't know it's exactly. Playing on some stations, platform. some local. Yeah. Cause I know like, um, some of those local stations, like, you know, it depends on what area you're at and you would some place, some markets would get the show and some markets would not. And right. we, we used to have a great market cause we would have overlap of the shows and I, I could watch the same like Fonz and Porter and one yes. channel would have all the old episodes and then the other channel is like all the newer ones. So I got spoiled, right. but now it's not like that anymore. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, you were on there. And um, your I think was your most recent appearance last December? It's been wet. It's been running lately. Because I've had people like I said, um, within the last 60 days, uh, an episode ran. Oh, I think okay. they're in reruns now. Oh, gotcha. Well, the I've written down like three of them, which I think are your most recent ones that you filmed. Okay. So one mm-hmm. of them was wearable art from vintage quilts, which we were talking about. <laughs> and um, another one was Boro and Sashiko embellishment on jeans, which is a lot right. of fun. And yes. um, the other one was deconstruct. I think you did that one first. You did deconstructing jeans first. Right. Like you were taking a pocket yeah. pocket off of a pair of jeans. Yes. And then, and then you did the stitching, the borrow stitching on top of the jeans. Right. So, yes. but, but talk about quilting arts. Cause I love that show. And I, 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 I love all the artists that appear on there. Yeah. What's neat about quilting arts is, so it's really, it's what it is. It's a, an hors d'oeuvre, I would say into what different designers do. Mm-hmm. And so once you see somebody, you would then say, oh, I like this person, Mary Sue. Let me go on her website. Let me see more about that process. So it's really a, a overview of, or a small part of a process that somebody does. And so it's really good because I feel like it gives you an overview of many artists. Yeah. So something you would have never thought about, oh, I think I'd be interested in learning that or, Oh, I want to know more about her or him or, Oh, I want to know more about that technique. And so it's very informative and very educational, mm-hmm. but in a quick synopsis, yeah. you know, they're, they're quick segments. Long, right. Oh, no. You're not like, okay, <laughs> hurry up because I got to go pick up my dog. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought it was very good. A uh, pokey Bowden is who actually started. I she's know. The one that, yes, yes. Yes. Love her. So that was her baby, uh-huh. her and her husband at the time. And, um, she, you know, she did a f- fantastic job and now it's taken off and it, it is an amazing opportunity to, uh, show off what you're doing. And I was so honored when they reached out to me and they're like, please, could you, I'm like, yeah. And I, so I ended up, it's an, it, when I taped my show, uh, it was in Cleveland. Okay. So a California girl goes to Cleveland. <laughs> and when was it? It was a cold I time of the like year? <laughs> April. No. So oh, okay. the weather was like supposed to be 70 or something oh, like that. That's nice. Well, I didn't know that you guys have these last storms before. Like you have that last winter storm. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I had a layover in Vegas. And I look up and they said, it's snowing. And I'm like, so I ran and got a coat because 
But when I got there, I was the only one with the coat. Everybody else was like, it was literally snowing and people had flip-flops on. I, was uh, like, it's I know, I know. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it is. Nice. It really is ridiculous. It's just like the second, it, sometimes they just think that, oh, be, well, it's April. It's time to pull out the, even though it's like still 30, right. it's still 32 degrees outside, you know, <laughs> my husband will do that. He'll be bare, pulling a pair of shorts on. He's like, oh, it's hot outside. And I was like, no, no, it's really not. <laughs> I know, but for them, that was. Yeah. And we all kind of get like that because I'm the same way. Like, I, re- I really like it cooler than, than hotter. Um, so you kind of get used to that when you live in a, a colder climate. Um, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> we went to Arizona in a fe- one time in a February and the weather out there was beautiful. It was like 60s and 70s. And, right. And, and my husband and I were golfing and, like everybody had like coats and jackets on and here we are. <laughs> we're like, this is like a heat wave. <laughs> they must have thought we were so weird. <laughs> right. So yeah. Right. Definitely. Yes. Yes. That's so great. <laughs> so, all right. And and we just have um, a couple more things and then we can, we're all done. But um, so it's, the quilting arts and you mentioned pokey bolton and she now runs um this craft napa event every year um yes and uh you are teaching it even though it's going to be virtual in january coming up and you're teaching the bomber jacket class yes and so i i'm you know what i've always had a passion for teaching clothing construction but I, I try to call it um, clothing in four hours. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is if you can't get a project done in four hours, it's not going to make it. We, <laughs> you know, none of this, like working on a project for a week and uh, the tailoring and the, the, I'm like, no, 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 no. But I don't want my clothes, the, the garments that I make to look like they were made in four hours. Right. So that workshop, um, you can actually complete it in the during the workshop period. Oh, I love the that. way it's put together. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm talking with the zipper in and everything. Wow. And so I'm so excited. Um, I've taught that class several times before, and the students do get the garment. There's there's always one or two that actually get it all done. A couple of people take a little longer to process to really get started. Um, and I'm like, just jump in because. Basically, what you do is you take a quilt top. So you take a quilt. And when I say a quilt top, it could be um, you could actually quilt something and then cut it. So it doesn't have to be a total, complete quilt top. But you do need it have all the three layers together and already okay. stitched it. I see. And then what I what I do is I have denim sleeves because, you know, everything has to have denim on it that I make. So I have the denim. But you don't have to use denim sleeves. You could use whatever you want. Corduroy. Corduroy is coming back in town. I know. I love I corduroy. corduroy pants oh, yeah, I'm so I'm excited. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, which is funny because it's like 80 degrees here. Here I'm wearing eight, you know, corduroy <laughs> pants. But whatever. I'm in California. We can do that. Um, so that class I'll be teaching virtually. I'm so excited because it is such a fun class. And every jacket looks different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jacket looks different. There is a little hand stitching on it. If you want, you don't have to, but there is a component where I teach the, the borrow stitching yeah. um, on the front. 
or a down the sleeve, I think it is. Yes, so, that's what yeah, I love about that. Really yeah, yeah. I love the layers. I love all that dimension. And you just gave me a great idea when you said that it doesn't have to be a completed quilt. So this could be something that, you know, a lot of people have those, uh, what they call whips, work in progress. <laughs> and just to get that done and out of their stack, just being t- tossed away somewhere, they could just quickly quilt it not finish it just have yep. like a, just have like a, enough of a textile to make the pattern right Absolutely. oh i love that okay cool yes nice. so, and all those, and think about all those quilt tops or blocks that you're like i don't want to make this into a, a quilt i don't want it to be a quilt. yeah yeah those are the that's what you do you take those and you make them into a jacket look i can put this on a jacket it's i have a block it's a paper piece yes it's a paper piece yes. bird. Yes, that would be perfect. Uh, I've been wondering what to do with this guy. <laughs> yes. So you I just have it pinned up. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. so great. I love this. Yeah. Oh, this talk is so inspiring to me. I hope everybody else loves it too. I know they will. Yeah. Um, oh, but absolutely. It's so innovative. You, Again, you are, you are an innovator. Sorry. Thank you. I said, we're going back to using your resources. Yes. Again, all those resources. Yeah. Um, I had a student one time come real quickly to my class and the lady was about in her 80, late 80s. And she goes, I have all these blocks, these blocks, but they're all different sizes and they were different fabrics. Uh-huh. She goes, what should I do with them? I said, bring them. We sat and we put together. So I first I put them together by color scheme, kind of like these are the greens, these are the blues, these are the blah, blah, blah. Then I, and I, then within those color schemes, I put them together by size. Okay. And we ended up taking, and I said, okay, so this row is all one color. And we kind of went through the um, the color wheel, starting okay. with the blues all the way to the orange and yellows mm-hmm. and all that. And so that one size, and then we, we, we put them in rows by their size mm-hmm. and then within color. So mm-hmm. color from dark to light within each row was whatever the size of those box were. And then in between, I said, okay, now take, and put some lattice in between, oh. if you'd like, in between each row. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, it turned out it was such a cool improvisational. And these were all, like, she would have, like, four uh, blocks of one size in one pattern. Uh-huh. And then she had three in another size in another pattern. And it's all these miscellaneous blocks. It turned out fabulous. Oh, I love that. And it, it's like you said, she had them. It's what she already had. And making it really beautiful. That's great. And it's okay. So the, that's the bomber jacket workshop. And then yeah. QuiltCon is in February and that's also virtual. And yes. um, I am in, in your borough mending. It's a mini class. Um, yes. So I'm taking that one. And um, denim repurposing is your mega workshop. Uh, yes. It's, it's a Yes, yes. I love that quilt. So pretty. I love all the different shades of the denim. And then you have another mini workshop, the Sashiko. And then you're also on a panel, Quilting Perspectives panel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be crazy. You got a lot going on that week. (laughs) I know. Um, I know. But it's virtual. Yes, it is. So Um, so it's going to be exciting. Um, I really enjoyed the whole idea of, of teaching over zoom. I feel like it almost makes each student feel like it's a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea is how to make 
something that you're really not in front of them, but where they feel like you are right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that too. In fact, you know, um, I I think it, 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 it's, I'm more conducive to that kind of a learning environment versus being in a, a large class. Um, because I do kind of get that like focused, um, lesson and I can learn and I can pause, <laughs> rewind. <laughs> so I love that yes. part of it for, from pre, pre-recorded classes like that. So, yes. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, so there, uh, I, I forgot. I don't have my schedule out now, but it, this is episode is going to come out well before um, the quilt con. So any listeners uh, that have been thinking about it, you should check, check the catalog of quilt con together and, and see if any of, you know, there's room left in some of these classes. I know some of them are already filled up, um, but yeah. I, I did go on a wait list on a couple of them. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. I'm so excited. I just can't wait for this. And I've never been to a quilt con before. So I'm looking forward uh-huh. to this. It's just that, you know, th- there's a lot. When you go to an in-person thing like that, an event like that, there's the travel and your lodging and the cost of the courses and your your materials. And it all adds up. So this is a great way for me to experience it where I don't have to go bankrupt. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. It, uh, yeah. It's I fabulous. It. fabulous. I love it. Good. I'm so looking forward to that. And I, I really am glad that you came on to the show. I, when I was signing up for these classes and, um, I was, you know, I'm in between seasons now. So we're, we're recording now for my third season that's coming up. And I was just like, you know what? I wonder if any of these instructors are, would like to be on the show. So that's why I just started emailing and a couple of you yeah. are. Yeah, really great. So, um, well, thanks. Thank yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing, um, your knowledge and experience and, and your passion for, for this wonderful art that anybody can do because a lot of it by hand, all you need like is a needle and thread. That's the other great thing about yes. it, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't need a fancy yes, machine. That is, nope. You don't need a fancy machine, needle and thread and um, fabric. You do need fabric. Yes. yes. <laughs> and maybe a thimble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm so excited. Yes. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Okay. And we'll have you back again, too. So um, thank thanks you. so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Socha. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.